Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm good, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing outstanding today. It's a beautiful Excellent. day. So we are uh, we're in part two of a two-part series that you started on the last podcast, of course. That is the seven steps in your exit planning process. And I know that this is a very robust process that you do with, uh, with the clients that need it. And we covered step one and step two in the first podcast. Can you give the folks a reminder of what those first two steps were? Sure. So when I talk to clients, I always, we always say, you know, leaving your business is inevitable, right? It's going to happen either because you want it to, or just because things happen that way. So when we talked in the first podcast, we focused on, you know, why, why go through this planning process? Cause it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And really the why is really the pain of no action is it just extends the time that you have to spend before you can actually exit. It, it could cost you money uh, by selling for a yeah. lower amount. And it just creates a lot of stress. You know, we're all going through this COVID-19 shutdown and everyone's looking at resetting their business, their business plans. It's stressful, right? And if you don't have a plan, you know, the government has a plan for you. So you, you need to create a plan that fits your goals. So that's mm-hmm. why um, and we focused on that. And then really we also focused on steps one and two, which really address, um, you know, wealth, you know, what do you have versus what do you need mm-hmm. and what are your goals? You know, when do you want this to happen? How much do you need when it does? Who do you want to, do you want to focus on internally, externally? Uh, do you have the proper team? Things like that. So we focused on really getting ready in terms of understanding why you need to go through this process and, and looking at you, you know, what you need and what you have. So today I thought we'd cover and get into the details really of, okay, now we know what you want. We know what you have. Let's get into the process of um, the succession planning, the exit planning. Perfect. All right. Step three, what is it? So step three is what we call focusing on the business value. And this this could be a formal appraisal like we talked a little bit about in the first, in part one of the podcast. But it really, even if it's not a formal appraisal, it's really looking at the value drivers, what drives the value of the of the company. And, and I'll just kind of cover a couple and maybe use examples. So I've been working for the past year and a half with a, a client uh, in commercial real estate, and they're basically exploring an internal sale, an exit plan with just shutting down or, you know, selling to larger or mid-sized competitors. And and as we went through the process, we helped focus on uh, revenue. So if I have a business that has recurring revenue, customers are coming back, there's some consistent source of revenue recurring, consulting fees, for example, in commercial real estate versus transactions like real estate transactions, I'm going to get a higher value. So we mm-hmm. focused on cash flow. You know, how much is recurring? How much is consistent? How much comes from a consistent, you know, number of clients? Um, but also cash flow means growth. So if I have a business that in generally is growing, I'll also sell for a higher multiple. It's a value driver. So 
we, the, when we're focusing on business value, we're helping them. We have processes. We have ways to analyze and help them analyze that they're that, that they want to have consistently growing and consistent being the word or recurring revenues if possible. So we focus on that. Um, again, the other part of it is systems, processes. Are they leveraging technology? And if the same company with in commercial real estate, if they're leveraging proposal systems, um, if they're leveraging uh, artificial intelligence sources that gives them information about leads, lead generation, things like that, or if they're still very old school, you know, keeping the old Rolodex, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get a higher value because, Eric, you can imagine in your business, if something happens to you, can the business go on without you? And you want to make, you want to create a business that's growing, that has recurring revenues, but also has your leveraging processes and systems so that it can, it can survive without you if something happens to you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a big part of it. And then the other part of it too is really um, key people. Uh, in this case, there's the the founding owner of the commercial real estate firm. There's um, two at this point, two really key people on the team. And you know, so we look at contracts. You know, are these are you rewarding to retain them? Are you giving them incentives to stay? If you do uh, sell to them, how will that work? If you do sell to a competitor, will they stay? Does the uh, acquiring firm want them to stay, which in this case they certainly do because they're all they're just a, a team. Mm-hmm. So looking at how you're incentivizing and, re- and attracting and keeping, you know, with contractually keeping some of your key people because if, again, if you if something happens to you, something you sell, the, the buyer's going to want to know that the, the business is going to continue without you. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other part too is, is, you know, protecting your existing business when we look at things like vendors, um, like in my business, for example, same with the commercial real estate client that I mentioned, uh, concentration of revenue is a risk. If all of your revenue or a large percentage of your revenue comes from a certain source uh, or from one or two clients, if those one or two clients leave, it's riskier. So you're going to get a lower value. Um, if your source of revenue, if your client mix is diversified, you know, in my industry, if all my clients are 80, um, I'm, it's inherently uh, a riskier business than if I work with mid 40 to 50 year olds, right? Because they'll be working with the firm longer probably. Yeah. Um, so it's just things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another example there, I'm sure you probably know, I won't say the name of the company, but it was a pickle manufacturer, which I don't think you can manufacture pickles, but a pickle maker. <laughs> pickle maker. Yeah, a say pickle that maker. ten times. Yeah, yeah. Say yeah. that ten. Yeah, exactly. So they, as the story goes, one of their 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 main buyers was Walmart. Walmart ended mm-hmm. up putting them in their stores, and that was the bulk of their entire business. They had so much demand that they ended up opening up other locations to continue the the growth of you know pickle making, and then. Walmart put certain demands on them that actually had, they had to change their business because that one source was so large that Walmart then had the leverage to ask them to do certain things or demand that they do certain things. Or else if, you know, if you don't do this, we won't carry your product anymore, which would absolutely devastate their business because they had, you know, all their eggs in one basket or all their pickles in one basket, so to speak. Oh, Absolutely. No, and those are the things you need to look at, for sure. 
the other part of it too is every every industry is a little unique and uh, you're in Nebraska, Eric, so you might know this, but farming, you know, oftentimes the way farmers purchase the inputs before, you know, they, they, they grow, uh, for the season, uh, versus when they end up selling, you know, the crop, uh, they have deferred tax issues. So mm -hmm. oftentimes they're pushing income, taxable income forward, uh, completely allowable by the IRS. But the reality is that if you go to sell the business, you know, we need to be aware if there's any uh, tax liabilities out there that would, you know, and if so, how do we address that maybe through an, an ESOP or charitable trust or defined benefit plans, some other strategies or tools. And like we, we spent, I think, episode six in the podcast talking about charitable planning where mm -hmm. we address some of that. Um, but this, again, the focus of the business, you might think the business is worth a dollar, but if it has a tax liability of 30 cents, we really need to be aware of that. Yeah. And then, and then the last part of the focusing on the business value is really talking about risk um, and, and how you end up selling. So I have a neurologist, you know, looking to exit a practice in Illinois and uh, tail coverage. So the, the, the medical malpractice coverage just to leave the state is, you know, about a quarter of a million dollars. What? So holy cow. Exactly. <laughs> Right, because what the tail coverage just means you have medical malpractice insurance to cover things that might come up after you leave. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it locks you in unless you somehow figure out a way to, you know, that if, if the sale or if the exit or if the new business is going to somehow overcompensate for that. So you think you have a practice worth X amount, but then you got to have to factor in taxes, tail covers, risks like that. Um, and you really get a more realistic value on the business value. Wow, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> it is. It's, you know, and the interesting thing is what I, the reason why I love the business so much is, and I love working with business owners and entrepreneurs so much is they are, they truly are puzzles. Everyone is different. There's no size nine shoe that fits everybody. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's no checklist. There's certainly, maybe 50 or 60% of the checklist might be the same for my practice, Eric, versus your compared to yours. But there's going to be the remaining part of that checklist we have to go through is going to be different and customized to you. Yeah. Once we get through step three, which is really coming up with the business value, and we've already looked at step one and two. So we kind of, we know what your goals are. Mm -hmm. We know what you need. If you do exit, now we know what the business is worth. We get into the, the next few steps are really about what our avenues are, what our alternatives are. Uh, so step four is, is where we focus on considering a sale to a second party. Um, so in this case of the commercial real estate client, now we're out in the marketplace and, and I'm relying on the client to tell me, you know, if you wanted to sell to a competitor, who are they? Who are the ones that culturally fit? Uh, who are the ones that, you know, you think would work? And, and let's start evaluating that. In fact, we had, I did a podcast, um, episodes two through five, or it was a four-part podcast we did together, and I called it Looking Downstream, where we talked about, you know, selling to a second, uh, more detail, sell, you know, selling to a third party outside or to a insiders. Mm -hmm. But this is really where we, we get into with the client. Okay, let's identify them. Let's identify who they are. Um, and let's create a team. And, and I have clients who will tell me that, okay, I don't necessarily want to sell to an outside party. I have a great management team or I have a great 
family member who I think would work. And I'll say, let's still look at it because we want to create a competitive auction. We want to create a competitive price, right? I mean, Eric, if you went to go sell your firm, I could do a business valuation. I could connect with your CPA to do a certified valuation. But ultimately, price is whatever someone's willing to pay, right? Yep. And if we can create an auction market or a competitive market, even if you don't plan to sell externally, it's nice to know what the business is worth based on what maybe some of your competitors might pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we talked a little bit too in previous podcasts, you know, when we get into this process about also considering what we call family office buyers, because uh, that's a, it's a new market, really not not rel it's, it's relatively new in the last three to five years where. You have a business owner who might sell his or her firm and create a family office. And rather than just focus on investing the proceeds after taxes and bonds and stocks and things like that, um, they want to keep their hand in entrepreneurship and they want to get involved in business. So they end up becoming long-term buyers um, for businesses and they could become partners. So again, that, that's a... a of a buyer that generally might pay a higher price. Um, so we also want to factor that into nice. Once we've completed step four, which is again, considering a sale to the second, to a, like an outside party. Um, we then move into what we call step five, which is, you know, c consider transferring the business to insiders. Mm -hmm. Uh, that could be a, a key manager, key, you know, key team. Uh, it could also be family members. So, you know, to get back to the, uh, the, the trucking company example that I talked about in, in part one, there's family member who's in the business, um, and then there's several who are not. Um, I have worked with a number of uh, general commercial general contractors. Same thing. You typically have family members who are in, family members who are not. So we want to assess the the tax ramifications, the the, the flexibility of um, you know of selling internally, and uh, not to get too boring, uh, Eric, but I wanted to kind of quickly address what we call like the double taxation, uh, the issue of an internal sale. So mm. I, do you have your coffee? Are you, you going to stay awake if I get this into is, this? Yeah. And I don't even like the phrase double tax. <laughs> so <laughs> good, good Me neither. if I'm, if I have a business worth a million dollars or $10 million, let's say, mm -hmm. and I want to sell 20% or $2 million to um, to an, to a manager who who's just, I, you know, I can't do without him. He or she is a, a key part of my team. Oftentimes what happens is you do it via an installment note, for example, where, um, I might say, all right, I'll give you 20, I'll sell you 20% of the company for $2 million in this example, in return for a promissory note from my key person back to me. And what happens then is the earnings from the company that, are, that go to the 20% owner. So if the company earns a million dollars that, you know, they, this, they're going to get $200,000 of earnings next year. Mm -hmm. Those earnings basically come back to me to pay down the note, right? So to the seller. Um, so it's an internal transaction where oftentimes your key team, key management team, which, you know, the business can't survive without, don't have money or they don't have the capital that mm -hmm. they can just use to write a check. So it's done this way, but the, the problem becomes that when the earnings on the 20% to the buyer, the, this key person, show up on their tax return, they're paying income taxes on that. And then as they make the payment back to me, 
I'm paying capital gains tax on that. So that's Ooh. the double taxation problem. Yeah. So oftentimes what happens is if, you know, in addition to maybe a sale, uh, maybe you can, you can offer a discounted price within the IRS guidelines, but then also set up things like a non-qualified deferred compensation plan or, you know, maybe a leasing, you're going to lease the, a building back to the sell, to the seller. There's, uh, there's strategies you can do to implement so that at least a portion of uh, the income the seller needs to maintain his or her standard of living as they exit can be done on a way that avoids the double taxation. So I don't want to get into too much of the details. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it's all very much black and white according to the IRS code. And it's just a matter of comparing each strategy to determine what accomplishes the buyer and the seller's goals. Um, but it's a big, big thing to address. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because nobody wants surprises, period. Exactly. And and this is really, again, so we've we've identified what the seller, the business owner needs, what they have. We've identified what the price of the, uh, the valuation of the property, the business is worth. We've gone out and got a you know, an external price to give us a real value. And now we're trying to figure out how to get it to the internal team. Mm-hmm. Number one, avoiding the double taxation. And then the second part of it, Eric, is really getting, um, talking about what we call transfer risk. So if you think about your business, Eric, if I was, if I was buying it from you and you were selling it to me, mm-hmm. in your perfect world, you'd like to pay the least amount of tax, right? And, and so would I. But if you're not going to be managing the business anymore, if you're going to be exiting from the business, you likely don't want to assume all, assume any more risk, right? Correct. I mean, so in other words, you, I'm in my business. I manage it daily. I have a really good feel for it. But if I'm off in Florida and I'm not managing day-to-day, I, I want to minimize my risk. And you do that by determining the timing of the sale and the contracts and, and who's assuming what liability. But this is something that I've seen is the biggest, one of the biggest landmines when I've uh, gotten involved with clients who have already sold and uh, they've assumed more risk than they should have. Uh, hmm. And it just gets, it, the whole purpose is to exit and, and minimize stress, right? <laughs> and yeah. Not to have to worry about it. Yeah. So this is a big part of it. And, and what happens is you could do it with personal guarantees. You can, like I said, the con- contracts and timing. This is really probably diving too much into the details. But the point is on the checklist of things you want to look at when you're talking about selling internally, it, 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 you have to deal with the double taxation issue. You have to deal with the, the risk transfer issue. Mm-hmm. And you have to address the fact that typically the buyers don't have cash. You know, and the, and, and the bank is probably not going to lend them much cash. Yeah. So this is really where we, we create a lot of flexible uh, models and alternatives for clients. Yeah, and for those listening, this is where you're taking those notes we were talking about earlier, for sure, because <laughs> a lot of these things, you know, people just don't think about, Tim. So I'm, this is obviously why you're doing the podcast, um, but uh, definitely take some notes and, and reach out to Tim at the end. Yeah, so now as we get into step six, this is where we want to develop contingency plans for the business. We want to make a, make sure that okay, we've created this great plan, we're, we're working on executing, but what happens if we get a COVID-19, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if the business owner suddenly passes away, becomes disabled, or for a number of reasons just uh, you know can no longer 
operate the business. So we've got a checklist that we follow to say, okay, if for business operations, do we need, for, for example, key man life insurance? If something happened, what would it cost to replace your key people? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long would you have to operate without him or her? Uh, what's the salary? And, and so there's a cost that you can quantify and you can purchase key man life insurance on the owners, on your key teams, et cetera. In the case of the orthopedic surgeon, again, when we were working with uh, his, one of his primary goals, I mentioned in podcast part one of this two-parter, was um, his wife was very, very concerned that by going on this path of growth and assuming more debt and you know growing the practice and growing the facility that they're operating in, what would happen if something happened to him and would she be protected? So we really need to quantify, okay, what's the cash flow that would be needed if something happened? How long would it take to sell the practice estimated if, if something happened to him? And we, we tried to come up with a range of dollars in the event of death or disability. And then we worked with, um, we're not insurance agents, but we worked with his insurance agent to confirm that he had adequate coverage. And in, in this case, he actually went out and, and purchased additional disability. He had more than enough life. And then on the property and casualty side, you know, there's things like um, business interruption coverage um, that he didn't have that he needed. Um, so we wanted to make sure of that. And then the other part of it, too, is if something happened to him, you have this practice, it's generating cash flow, it has a value. You want to make sure that the other professionals he's bringing in have contracts that don't allow them to just take the business if something happens to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that those professionals have are going to acquire the business, or we want to make sure that the value is protected for his spouse if something happened. And that's a legal thing, so we're getting involved with his attorney. We're making sure that there's the, the contracts are properly written. It, I'm not smart enough to do it all. That's why we focus a great deal on collaborating with their other professionals to make sure that all the T's are crossed and eyes are dotted yeah and there's a lot of them to cross and dot so uh and you've talked about teams before we referenced it on the last podcast as well um there are many previous podcasts tim has alluded to teams and i know that i think episode two if i'm not mistaken really talks about putting a team in place uh, so people can go back and listen to that as well if they want a little bit of a deeper dive yeah and that is just critical right and I covered it before, so I'm not going to get into it too much here. But yes, yep. that's a very, very important part. All right. I think we're just a step seven. Yeah. Can you believe it? We've gone through steps one through six already. So again, six is really this contingency plan for the business. So seven is contingency plan for the owner and his or her family. So this is really, hmm. you know, now we, we've identified what you need, what you have, we've, what your goals are. We've identified the value of the business. We've we come up with a plan to either sell it internally or externally. Uh, we have a contingency plan for the business so that if something happens to you, the business is taken care of, uh, the, you know, protecting the value of that business so it can still be sold and, and create assets or, or wealth for your, your family. But the other part of it is the contingency plan for the owner. So now we're stepping back and we're saying, okay, we've identified what your financial objectives are, you know, in step one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone through this process. Do you have a new perspective? Has your perspective changed? Has any of your goal, have any of your goals changed? And if so, you know, personally, how do we do this? We've talked about whether 
you're going to sell internally to one or two of your family members or or to a key person. And as a result, there's maybe there's family members that are not going to be part of the business. So, you know, how do we develop a plan for that? And Eric, I, I would say at least half of my clients are very uh, philanthropic, uh, very focused on giving back. And typically they have one or two, or maybe more, but typically one or two uh, key nonprofits that they really focus on. So we want to talk about that. We want to restate, how do we incorporate your philanthropic goals into this plan in this contingency plan? So if something happens, we're going to make sure that that your legacy lives on through this philanthropy. Uh, and then it's getting back to the things we talked about earlier, which is cash flow, taxes, debt, you know, estate planning, risk management. So it's really just doing one more reset, one more check, one more evaluation or stress test to make sure that the owner's personal plan, um, after going through this whole process and some of the changes, maybe I often find that their, their, their strategy or their, their feeling about some of these strategies have changed since we went through step one and two. So it's really more of a reset and just kind of a confirmation of yeah. uh, things that are, you know, of how it's all going to go. Got it. All right. That sounds great to me. So, yeah. And, and I guess what I, what I would leave you with, uh, the, the listener with is, you know, we're, we're in a challenging time and this is what I consider a reset. It's an opportunity for you know everyone to business owners to reevaluate and go through the process to identify what are your goals, where do you want to be, and how am I going to exit? Because as we've talked about in the past, based on my experience, based on everything I read, collaborating with a lot of other professionals, it takes a long time. You know, so go back and listen also to episode thirty-five and six where I cover value drivers. Um, go back and listen to episode two where I cover your team because I think it's really important. Um, or reach out to me uh, because I, I'd love to help you. All right. Now, how do they do that? So you can go to HightowerGreatLakes.com, HTGreatLakes.com. Reach out to me. Uh, call me at 219-246-5370 or send me an email at tscannell at HightowerAdvisors.com. Perfect, Tim. Thank you so much. This was Again, a great two-part podcast. If you joined us on this one, and this is the first one you listen to, go back and listen to those first two steps. They're incredibly important as well. Again, Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Eric. You betcha. And to you, the listening audience, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wellstream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified 
financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.